The more I looked into Bitcoin, the more I realized that there is principles in Bitcoin that fit like a glove to um, Taoist principles, energy. It's no coincidence. Hello and welcome to Bitcoin with Jake. This is a podcast all about people's personal journeys to Bitcoin. I wanted to know more about the people converging on this new form of money. Why do they see value in it? What skills enable their understanding? How is it changing their lives? If you're a founder looking for funding or an investor looking to make investments, then please reach out as I develop my network in the space. Do me a favor and chuck us a five-star rating on whichever app you're using to listen or a like if you're watching it somewhere. As insignificant as this may seem, they help a startup project like this hugely. Lastly, if you have any questions at all, please just reach out. The easiest place to find me is on Twitter at Jake E.S. Woodhouse. Now, I'd like to take a quick moment to talk about our sponsor. Fast Bitcoins are a Bitcoin exchange based in the Isle of Man, who you should definitely take a look at. As per my general approach to due diligence, my focus is on the people involved to scroll back through my episode library to check out conversations with Danny Brewster and Nathan Smith. Danny is the CEO and founder, who has an amazing story of Bitcoin in the early days, whilst Nathan typifies the top talent being drawn into the space from legacy industries such as investment banking. Thank you to Fast Bitcoins for sponsoring the show. Now, on to today's episode. Today I'm speaking with Rob Brinded. Hey Rob, how are you doing? Hey Jake, really good to be here. Thank you for having me. My pleasure. Thank you so much. We just uh, were talking offline. I was lucky to hear you interviewed before on Daniel Prince's podcast. So shout out to Princey wherever he is. And so much of your story, just as someone else growing up in the UK, really resonated with me. So I was like, God, I've got to speak to that guy at some stage. So I'm really pumped to, to have an hour with you today. This is a Bitcoin show. So let's just dive straight in there. You came across Bitcoin at some point. Tell us about that. Maybe you didn't like it. Maybe you did like it. Everyone's got a different and unique journey to this nascent technology, basically. So yeah, just dive straight on in there. How did you find out about it? Yeah, I was in Kosamu, I think. I was at like a high net worth individual type meeting party where I had a lot of clients. And one of my good friends, um, who is a professional poker player and investor, <clears throat> very, very smart. I was like, what are you into at the moment? He said, well, there's this thing called Bitcoin. You know, that, and I was like, oh, Bitcoin. And he said, I remember one of the things he said, you have to do proof of work you have to do the work to understand it otherwise you won't be able to hold it i understood that principle then and i understood and he said i'm all in i'm all in on this i know he's a poker player but he's smart and i was like okay i need to look at this this thing and so i have moments in my life where i have realizations about something and i go all in and this goes for my career and i usually go in early and I can talk about that with the athletes and, and other aspects of my life. But I went all in on Bitcoin I, and I needed to deconstruct it and to understand it. So I met with someone who's a computer scientist. He explained the blockchain. And I remember he was doing it. He's German. And I was like, oh, my God, this is the way he was explaining was very slow. But I was trying to understand every aspect of it. Um, if I just step back slightly before... I had that um, chance encounter where there was the explain Bitcoin. I decided to try and understand money and value more. So I kind of skipped that, but I was delving deep into what value is, what is money. So I read 
Anthony Robbins book, Unstoppable or something like that. I just read a ton of books. So I, my deep dive was in value. And what I do know is that when I put my energy focus into something, I have to be very aware of things that I'm drawing in that are going to be like tangents that, you know, I'm 50. I've got 50 years on the planet and I've noticed that when I put my energy in something, something's going to, a door will open. So I was fully immersed in the value, trying to understand it to increase my net value. I understood that how much you value something is very much to do with your deep unconscious and how much you value yourself and how much value, you know, value is much deeper than just money. And so I was waiting for that thing to come in where I would go, that's it. And when I was in Costa Marie and my friend said, I'm all in on this, something clicked. I knew that whatever he was talking about, that was it. And I had to go all in on it. That's just my way of doing things. And so that was in 2017, just on the way, you know, the crazy all around there. And, you know, I went in and also with my energy. So since then, you know, like you, I'm sure it's thousands of hours till now of podcasts, books, um, anyone I could speak to, to try and understand it. Also talking to people, uh, sort of fear of minds and, and saying, Hey, what do you think of Bitcoin? And what I saw invariably was a, quite a violent reaction to it, which was very interesting to me. So I remember there's this guy who's got loads of money, he's got old money, and he doesn't, he's not very good at creating value himself. He's just got a, a value teat. He suckles from, from his family. But I once I said, What do you think of Bitcoin? And he was, he was kind of angry. He's like, oh, yeah. And I was like, Okay, this is very interesting. <laughs> Why is he so reactive to this thing that should he should just say, well, there's Venmo or whatever, and there's no need for it. But his violent reaction taught, told me that something deep inside of him was deeply triggered by this valuable, you know, commodity, whatever property. So that was my that was my intro story. Awesome. Thank you for sharing that, Rob. There's already a hundred different directions i could take the conversation in from there okay. what i find works well is trying to work in a kind of chronological sense so you've given us a snapshot in time of 2017 you came across bitcoin you heard about it a few other kind of let's say um, indicators that you'd like to stress test when looking at ideas that gave you the green light and boom you were bang you were all in you, you mentioned a few things that you know your poker player friend says you have to do the work to understand this thing. And that resonated with you. Now, yeah. I'm assuming that's from experiences in your previous, you know, ideas, trusts, jobs. So perhaps you could just explore a little bit with me what that meant to you and why you understood that the proof of work was important. That's a great question. Because now proof of work, especially after listening to the name's going to drop, the proof of work guy, the defense. Jason Lowry. That's right. I haven't quite finished that. The two-hour episode with Preston. It's it's mind-blowing shit, isn't it? It I mean, fucking hell. Yeah. I was, I had a, I had a chuckle. I was talking with, um, I think it was Nathan Day who, who popped over to me, was in Madeira at the moment. And I was talking to him about that and I, I listened to it. And then I talked to my wife and said, Oh my God, there's this guy and he's talking about antlers stacks. And (laughs) I was just, and then she just looked at me nonplussed and she was like, and I was right, like, mate. okay, I'm going to go back to the podcast. I don't really understand it fully. <laughs> what, what I understood 
uh, at that time was that how much you you value something is I uh, let's say with the Bitcoin, let's say I bought Bitcoin. I'm kind of looking back at my experience of that proof of work. Maybe maybe something more will come to me. But I knew that if you didn't say value yourself, you wouldn't change health sort of habits. If you didn't value a relationship, you wouldn't do the work. So when I came to working with clients or when my time working with elite athletes, if they if I didn't put the work in to understand and value the work that I was doing, they wouldn't. And no one would value, you know, what what I was giving. So the more I put value into something, the more time and energy I put into it, the more people would be drawn to me to to you know attracted to me almost. So, you know, through my 25 years of working with let's call it uh, sort of energy medicine or elite performance, whatever. The more time I've worked on myself, the more I've drawn in people. So the more proof of work I've done on myself and not just read other people's work and spouted their work, the more proof of work I've done on myself and gone into the dark darkness, the dark spaces, the more I attract people who need to go to that place as well. So does that make sense in terms of when he said, you need to do the work to understand mm. it. Otherwise, fundamentally, you won't value it. And therefore, the universe will take it from you. That's fundamentally what he said to me. And you will lose it. And I could. there's a story. There's somebody I know very close who has no value in himself. He's desperately trying to become a billionaire by doing loads of different things. So trying to gain value to fill up the empty void of self-value, self-love in himself. And, you know, he knew I was into Bitcoin and nearly goes, he probably heard that it was going to go to the moon and he bought some. And I remember we were in my apartment and he was sitting down and he said, oh, I've heard that there's a trader who's told me that he's going to increase the band by 10 times if he does this and that. And I stood in front of him and the whole family is a sort of family member. And I said, if you go with the trader, you will lose everything and you will be poor. I went very binary. And if you hold this asset by understanding what you have, valuing it, proof of work, you have to do the work to understand it. You can't just hear someone say it's valuable. That's not enough. And I said it 10 times in a row. I kind of ashamed him. I knew what was going to happen. I said, please, you go with the trader, you lose it all. You, you do this, you will be rich. And I, and I said it 10 times. If you imagine someone saying that 10 times, it was embarrassing. Party killer. <laughs> yeah, it told by kill. Guess what he did? He went with the trader. He went with the trader. He lost everything. The scam. Wow. All I did was type in, I did the tiniest proof of work on the trader. Yeah. Three minutes Google search and scam. But yeah. he didn't. But that fundamentally arose from within him. Wow. So the ultimate proof of work is understanding self. Ultimately, proof of work is understanding self. Okay. Yeah. That in itself is probably a whole you know, series of podcasts, even just to understand that. But you, you've mentioned 25 years of energy medicine slash yeah. elite performance. Yeah, so I kind of added the thing again. I don't know. I don't know what energy medicine is. Sure. Elite performance is what I see on TV, but yeah. I don't. I don't understand really how it functions. I've never worked in that space. I, you know, I love sport. Always grew up playing sport. 
and I imagine elite performance can be sport and you know business ventures or whatever. But tell me a bit about that. So how on earth did you become a an energy medicine kind of expert, and where did your your life take you on those twenty five years? Okay, so let me just start off by when I say energy medicine, that's such a it sounds like crypto. You know, like when someone goes, "Oh, I'm a crypto." I mean, crypto energy medicine. So. If if I just explain what medicine is, yeah. and then you'll probably it just sounds very web three. Web well, no, 3. I, I I I just to share a bit about myself. I'm interested in things. So I saw a kinesiologist on Sunday, for example. Okay. I'm interested in meditation. I don't do it as regularly enough as I can. My wife and I we go to chiropractors and osteos, and she's studying as a naturopath. So very much cool. interested in you know the natural medicines that existed prior to pharmaceuticals and you know, holistic healthcare and yeah. energy is a big part of that. Yes. But I, I'm not an expert in the space. So yes, please fire okay. away with a, a, so, an explanation as to um, what you mean. If we go very binary, there's like the mechanic, uh, mechanistic view of the body, which is sort of being completely disproven, like, like that everything is just chemical and everything's separate and the mind has no effect on the body. Mm. The... That was uh, I was reading about it yesterday. It's like for a thousand years, it's been it's been like a battle with the vitalist, which people who say there's like a soul or there's an animal or just a an energy to the body. So there's been this back and forth throughout. And in in science, it's very that you know they've got the genes now, and then they can just stick it and they can create life. And they found the blueprint. However, it's not that's not. No, and they're completely limited. So if I look at energy medicine and say that traditional Chinese medicine was based on the theory that the body was electric, there, there were these channels of an electric type energy in the body that flowed through the meridians of the body. And this needed to be, when looking at an individual, you needed to balance the whole complex system like a garden and understand where there was a, a problem in the flow of this energy. So a bit like an electrical system in a house, there's a light flick, flickering. You go to the doctors because the light's not working properly, and they look through the electrical system and see where it is. Mm -hmm. The emotions and the way someone lives, their thinking and their emotions affect the flow of energy. Okay, so that's traditional Chinese medicine. Modern Western medicine was based on the mechanical side that if you have pain it's coming from the elbow and nowhere else the energy systems of the body is just calories in calories out mm -hmm. and just get on with it the mind's just shut you know oh okay go and see a psychologist or you mm -hmm. know that there's research going into the mind but it has no effect on the body so there's that what where we are now right at this moment i'm not talking about my 25 years in this what i know now is the most exciting research field is the mitochondria. This has come about in the last 15 years, the research into mitochondria, and it's how it runs the body. It's the electrical system of the car, so to speak. And I listened to a very heavy, like the lead experts, American researcher, pure mitochondria. That's all his expertise is. He's, uh, you know, he's the Western medicine guy. And he said... He's looked at mitochondria 50 plus years. And now in his, in this lecture at the end, he said, oh, and by the way, we've set up a, a research center in China to try 
and see whether the mitochondria, the electrical energy system of the body, is in fact meridians. And he believes it is. So the arrogance of Western medicine is like, oh, traditional Chinese medicine is bullshit. It's it's woo-woo. This is my experience of working in, yeah. in, in my career. And now they're starting to go, oh, Chile, maybe they had something. And so the energy medicine is fundamentally looking at the, the body like a light bulb or a battery. And when there's entropy or there's, there's the energy is, becomes weakened, one and zero strong, strong energy, or it becomes weakened or switched off, then you're going to have a problem. And so Western, I'm fascinated by mitochondria and the electrical system of the body and the energy system of the body and, and how that relates to, in fact, what I've always thought is that when there's, when there's something weakening the energy of the body or the electrical system, you're going to have a problem. So when I was back in Chelsea, I was head of, head, of, head of strength conditioning and injury prevention. I created the injury prevention unit, let's say, which was new, something I created myself. I was influenced at that time by a gentleman called Paul Czech. He, he runs the Czech Institute. I trained with him. He made me understand that there's far more to the body than just the physical. He helped me understand that the, the mental aspect came in. I can talk a lot more about that. But what I was doing at Chelsea was when a player was coming in, I was doing things like Qigong, Tai Chi, yoga to, to increase the energy of the body. Also using foam rollers. I think I was the first person bringing foam rollers into, well, definitely into UK, maybe Europe, to iron out a contraction and all the players, even Adrian Mutu, I don't know if you remember him, he hated yeah. He had a bit of a drugs problem and party. He hated, but when I showed him the foam roller, he asked for one and he yep. would use it every day because what wow. it does is blockages. Yeah, he could feel it instantly. He said, I feel lighter and more energized. Wow. So energy medicine is going to be the future and the, the similarities with Bitcoin and Michael Saylor talking about energy of the system or the body, you know, this, the, the system's ability to hold or transfer energy. I mean, I'm just listening from a, a physical point of view when he's talking about that. And then I can talk to you about nerve science. Like when you have pain, it's never in the body parts in your brain. It's how you perceive it. And then I, we could go down the rabbit hole there. Well, well then let's, let's go. It's fine. We've, we've got plenty of time, Rob. So. Just let's go where your brain takes us. So, okay. so, so, so I, I follow where you're, what you're explaining. So energy medicine now makes a lot of sense to me in terms of yeah. when you're looking to perform at an optimum level, if you yes. haven't taken into account energy, then you're not going to get the best performance possible out of Yeah, someone. the energy of the body, how the electrical system of the body is functioning, it's, it's critical. And so my role was to find out what was causing the down regulation or the weakening of the system and to mm. remove it. Okay. And that was my, and so then I started to realize that when a player was stressed, that would create more blockages wow. in the yeah. body. And so it's like everyone you see on the street every day. Fuck every day. Stressed. And so lots of high performance is for everyone. And the, so logically, if we, 
If we look at pain science, so I'll tell you a little story. I'm, I understand pain science, but I'm not like an expert. I couldn't give a lecture on it, but I understand it. There's, there was a baker who had his hand ripped off in a real, real story. So he lost his hand and he came back to the doctors, I don't know, weeks or months later and said, every Saturday I get excruciating pain in the phantom limb. So first of all, there's no hand, but he feels the pain because the pain is never in the body parts, in the brain. It's like a computer system and the operating system or the central nervous system is perceiving threat and sending a signal. Okay. So on every Saturday, there was some sort of signal that, and he was getting excruciating pain in the hand that was no longer there and they couldn't work it out. And then, I don't know if it was the baker himself or someone realized that on every Saturday they baked bread. And so that triggered the traumatic memory and it ran again. And so that causes, that's called a, an ignition cue or a trigger or neural tag. It's like a, a yeah. file running on the computer of, in the software of the brain. And so I understand that. Now, when it comes to when I work with a client or a footballer, or a footballer I'll tell you a story. I could tell you a ton of them. Here's one. Uh, I was flown in to see a, a footballer, a very well-known footballer, who was told, well, he'd had a knee surgery, but the knee surgery hadn't cleared the pain. And he, he flew me in because he had the choice of having another knee operation, which would probably end his career, or somehow play on or retire. But it was, it was another knee operation or retire, and he didn't want to retire. So I flew in, uh, I remember he had, he put some shorts on him in his house and I'm just having a little look at his knee or his, his foot and ankle. I've worked with him previously quite a lot. And I used the, my method of, this is where it gets, it can get more weird. You can use that electrical system, the one and zero to find out things. So I. Some people might be listening to that and going, no, that sounds like bullshit, but that's okay because it is so ludicrous. It's fine. It's fine. Pile in, Rob. I'm fascinated. But I'm, I go with, I try things, even however ludicrous they are, to see if they get results. And so this always get, this gives me results. So what I found was that the, the pain in the knee was not pain in the knee. It was the medical team, the anger they had towards the medical team because they told him that if he had surgery, he'd get rid of the pain. So he was holding anger in the knee about the medical team. The moment I told him that, he was gone. He was uh, on the treadmill sprinting. Wow. That was it. He went on to get another contract for another few years, and he won, won trophies, wow. earned millions. That, all that, that would have finished his career, anger in the knee. Wow. And I could, so here's another one, this guy, a footballer in Asia, and I can, you know, this footballer in Asia, he messaged me on WhatsApp. We still have the WhatsApp message. He said, Rob, I'm in the, in the changing room before the game. I just tweaked my hamstring in training, in warm-up, and they reckon it's a grade two, and I'm going to miss the game. It's super important. So I said, okay, just go into a position where you feel the pain, which I call a baseline. He's find out where you're uncomfortable. So he went into like a hamstring stretch and, and he explained, he goes, when I do this, it, it, it sharp pain. 
So I, at distance, this is where, you know, the quantum physics comes in and non-locality. I found that he was, he was empathizing. With, uh, empathy is another way of downloading another person's emotions. We're just like computers. Everything's connected on blockchain. Okay? So we're not separate. Everything is, there's no separation between you and I or anything. And I said, oh, you're empathizing with the head coach. He, he's fearful something. And he told me later that his job was on the line in that game. And when I told him that, instantly the pain in his hamstring was gone. He went and played and the match scores. I got the screenshot. Thanks, Rob. I've done that. Poker players, and mixed martial artists. These, these triads, so the Chinese would call it triad, pentagons, hexagons, octagons. The, the number forms an energy to it. It's like, I don't know in electricity science if there's certain circuits of numbers, but it seems like and the Chinese have known that. They call them Kung Fu numbers. They have a strong energy to them. Shapes have a certain energy to them. So a circle, a triad, pentagon have strong energy. But a straight line, like a square, has weak energy compared to a circle. So in nature, there's no straight lines. So I'll, I'll stop there. But what I was doing there was explaining how the mind connects, how the mind and the body, there's no separation fundamentally. And you were starting to talk about uh, pain management, was it? So what did you say? You were like, you, you were just helping to explain some of the recovery stories and you're about to head off in a different direction. I'm yeah, so forgotten. just with the, the, pain, the pain science and talking about the beta is that uh, modern science on the Western side, they're starting to understand that our perception of the injury, or of, the, of the whatever's happened, mm-hmm. the threat level, the perception of it changes the pain level. So the mind and the body, there's no separation. They've said it. In the, and so here's another field where they're approaching China, traditional Chinese medicine and this idea that, you know, the, there's the emotions and the, the perception and the thinking affect the health of the organism. And so, for, in, for instance, if I'm a violinist and I get a little paper cut, it's going to be much more painful to me than anyone else because it is a threat to their livelihood. Mm. So these things need to be understood. When I was at Chelsea, Jose Marie, he was he was all about mental strength. He was brilliant and put pressure on the players. And I'm writing about that in my book at the moment, how amazing he was. And I remember there was one player, I won't say his name, he was well known for always being injured and kind of fragile. Mm. And he was lying on the, the bed and the physio was kind of cut, not cuddling him, but comforting, you know, like it's, it's about comforting that threat. And so we were used to do some massage. And Mourinho, I remember he walked in. And I was standing next to the physio just having a little chat. And everyone went quiet. The main man just walked in. And he looks at him, just stares at him. He says, you're weak. You're a weak man. You're mentally weak. And no, no easing off of the pressure. You could feel the pressure mounting. What he would... And the the player kind of went, yeah, and he said, "You're you're weak, yeah." Wow. And then he walked out. And I even now the hairs like it wow. was like good the pressure and the energy in the room just completely shifted, and it was embarrassing. It was he kind of shamed him, and now I realize what he was doing was yes, 
he had a point. The, the player allowed the threat to override him. And so Jose was pointing out, you're weak. You're, there's nothing wrong with you. It's coming from your mind. Mm-hmm. And it was true. But at the time, I was like, oh, that's so brutal. Savage. Wow. Savage, yeah. But just, I, just to jump in. Level, you don't mess around. You know? Yeah, no, it's incredible. Sorry to, to jump in. I have... So I just, I have so many memories of like hundreds of my mates are Chelsea fans and Abramovich rocks up, buys the club, yeah. teams transformed, all these amazing players are being brought in. It was a crazy time. And within a few years, mm. you know, they won the Premier League and everything else. It was, it was an amazing time to be involved in the Premier League and to have seen yeah. this team functioning up close. Yeah. Fuck, what uh. an amazing experience that must have been. And, yes. and the player you're talking about, I'm pretty sure they're a Dutch winger. And I won't mention anything more than that, but it wouldn't surprise me if that's the case because I just remember so well, like so talented, does these incredible things, but then just hobbles off. And you're like, mm. what's happened there? No Whereas, you know, the captain of the team, John Terry at the time, ah. they couldn't get him off the pitch, right? Like it's the opposite. It was nuts. No, that, that's a fascinating. So firstly, I was there then. So I was there before when we were in the training ground where it was glass, all the windows were broken, everything was shit, yep. and the toilets didn't work. Doors, wow. no doors on the toilets, cold showers. And then Crespo walks in. Fuck. The, the part-time physio, who was a taxi driver, had picked him up, brought him in, and said to him, do you want a massage? And Crespo going, yeah, okay. And so <laughs> Crespo goes and gets ready. And the taxi driver walks in, changed, and starts massaging him. Now, Crespo was from Milan, yeah. Milan Lab. and. You just, he, I heard the story. He was like, he, he, he thought it was a joke. And so it was that. And then we had, I remember, Iran, Joe Cole, Glenn Johnson, you know, just, it was yeah. walking through the door. We were going, oh shit. And you, you had the English players going, oh shit, you know? And so it was a fascinating time. I worked closely with Abramovich. So I knew. If I saw him now, I wouldn't have known well. I, you know, don't meet billionaires walking down the street to him. What I would say is with John Terry, who's very interesting, he uh, mentally so strong. Now, I have my own theories of how that happens. Is he was very good at pressing and numbing himself. So that's a skill set that you see in elite soldiers. So I've worked with elite soldiers, elite players. They have similar tactics for dealing with uh, elite fighters have the same so they can shut down and suppress however that suppressed energy emotions everything it doesn't just go away it causes long-term damage so i have my thoughts on long-term stuff for footballers or elite athletes when they have problems later in life john terry could suppress anything so he could have like a fidelity thing going on, other players, wives, and all of that drug story with the, you know, John Terry was the racism thing, if you remember, with. Yeah. He said he had three massive stresses that one of them would have finished me. Like I would have yeah. been distraught, but he had three. His performance never, like, and he could be smashed and kicked, and, and he never, never went into the medical room. Wow. Never. Wow. And then you have Arjun Robin yeah. or someone else who, who was injured all the time. That was fact. And so you had two different 
players with different minds and different abilities to control mm-hmm. the body. One was overly controlling and see everything as a threat. So I got, say, Arjun Robin, if you wanted to take that player, I would get him doing a lot of parasympathetic nervous system training, like yoga, um, uh, qigong, meditation, breathing exercises. I did that 25 years ago. They're doing that now. And that's coming into going early on something. So everyone was saying, oh, this is bullshit, but yeah. it was working. And because he was too, you know, and John Terry was just like nothing phased him. He was a, you'd want him on a, on a, as your captain or as in, in military, in a, in a military situation. Cause you don't want someone who's hyper nervous in a military situation. Mm. And so what, what really intrigues me about these conversations is everyone's got such rich stories and their journeys are so interesting to, to have ended up in the Bitcoin space. There's always a lens that they had and they came across it. And so where all of this kind of comes back to is that moment in Kosamui and someone talks about proof of work. And so what I, what I want to try and tie in here is, you know, Roman Abramovich buys a club. He wants to win absolutely everything. And someone like yourself had a skill set that was potentially able to deliver better or elite results over and above other strength and conditioning uh, coaches. So, you know, how did you measure the, the, the differences between, you know, had you not been there versus being there? And do you remember, like, what were some of the biggest challenges that you faced in that job? Well, great question. I would say I undervalued myself. Okay. I wouldn't, if at that time, I wouldn't have seen Bitcoin. It wouldn't have come into my orbit. I mean, it, it wasn't around then, but I, I lacked um, the kind of views, like I was insecure with my value. So now looking back, I've done a lot of work on changing that behavior and deep disappointment in myself. I had a lot of disappointing experiences. I was, I realized that because of my devaluing of the self, others devalued me. It was inevitable. The mirror, the, the yin and the yang, the, the Taoist principles of yin and yang is a balance in all ways. When we jammed up, we will attract stronger and stronger experiences until we resolve it. So I had so many disappointing experiences, even though it was a wonderful experience overall, that was coming from me. So how did I value my work at the time? Not I resigned. Wow. I, I helped design a new training facility. I was given a whole, like not a football pitch size, but a huge gym on the lower level. And then I was given a huge rehab department. I had more surface area than buying, you know, it was like the pie chart is like everyone else and everything was mine. And even to the point where the doctor said, no, I'm having, I'm having that area. And he took off part of my gym to have his, which is fine. He obviously valued himself, maybe a little bit too much big. Um, and I resigned at that point. All that value was coming to me and I, I had to step away from it. That was my issue. I also didn't wait for the team to come back. And so I resigned and then Jose heard about it. His fitness coach called me and said, what are you doing? And I said, I just, I can't work for this medical team that don't value me. You can, there's a value pattern that there's always a pattern, right? So it was my issue. If I look back, I'm not blaming anyone, but he said, come and join us, Jose and the team. 
we want you as part of the Portuguese team. And I said, no. And so I, I didn't value. I, and Jose said, tell me to fuck off. No one leaves Jose. That's what happened. And I look back now and I was completely cut. In football, everyone just carries on. It's just part of the... Yeah. But I left and I, I went into the wilderness. It was a very difficult time for me. My girlfriend left me the next day. Wow. From leaving. Uh, obviously, no more value in me. Um, she had her own value issues. Um, and so, but the it was kind of like the belly of the beast. It was, I had to go through that. Maybe you call it hero's journey, whatever. But I, I went into it and it was a very painful experience. I can actually feel that being triggered in my body when I go deep into it. But I also know that if I hadn't have done that, I would have stayed in the system and I wouldn't have, I knew I had to go and explore on this journey. And then bringing it, tying it back to the value of Bitcoin, I would say when I initially heard about Bitcoin, I knew that there was something extremely valuable. But I, the more I looked into Bitcoin, the more I realized that there is principles in Bitcoin that fit like a glove to um, Taoist principles, energy. It's no coincidence. And so now, if you imagine a triad or maybe an upside down triad, underneath is consciousness where my work lies, is understanding the self, conditioning the tyrannical mind. Then you have one cor- another corner is decentralized health. And that is looking at the body like a, a garden and giving it everything it needs to resolve itself. And that's where my work lies. And also the light, sunlight uh, is very important for the mitochondria of the system. Water, being nature, this all is like a, 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 I've got a drawing of it. I can't explain so well. And the other corner is decentralized money, Bitcoin. Because the external society is so heavily damaged and corrupted by the fiat system that Bitcoin is coming inevitable and so with my work i call like decentralized money decentralized health almost like decentralized doctors moving more towards traditional chinese medicine without the authority that they you know you have to be chinese and a long white beard and all that bs that's also a proof of stake a little bit everything's free in decentralized health and then underneath is the decentralized mind and that's my book decentralized mind when we can see the tyrannical nature of our minds, and that is meditation. So meditation, coming back to a point, you say, I meditate, but not very often. I would say that maybe if you just observe your behavior, that is mixed martial art meditation. That is elite meditation. It's fundamentally understanding self. You don't need to sit down in a corner and practice breathing. That's like shadow boxing. Wow. Um, so yeah, many decentralized mind or understanding self requires extreme proof of work. Yeah. Meditation, subjugating to a higher authority or spiritual, or you're going to be enlightened. I know the truth is that it requires immense energy to observe your own behavior mm-hmm. in action, especially if you, if you have kids or, you know, in a, in a situation where you're getting triggered. That's when, that is when in relation to others, you see your behavior, not in a cave or with baggy trousers. And, um, you know. Yeah, no, no, I, I see where you're going. Absolutely. And so just to make this really simple, Rob, so um, you have some kind of consultancy business, I guess, at the moment, do you? Yeah. Um, just to 
to talk about that for a moment, what kind of customer comes to you? So, you know, obviously my podcast is about people's personal journeys and teaching people about Bitcoin and who's joining it and why, and all these people around the world, this decentralized movement is extraordinary. Why yeah. are these people doing this? Like, that's really what this is all about. Amazing, isn't it? Um, it's amazing. But just for a moment, like there might be someone out there listening that might be interested in your services. So just, just a high level view, like yeah. who so, are you looking to work with and how can you help them? Well, anyone. Anyone who's got physical, mental pain. So I get, um, you know, a CEO or a lady. So pain is generally speaking the, the problem point that I've got. No, it, it'll be someone comes to me and they say, I have a problem in my relationship or okay. I'm limited in making, I'm not making enough money or I'm not reaching my potential. I'm depressed. Yeah. I want, to, I feel like something's holding me back. So there's, that's more than that. You know, there's going to be a relationship or relationship to money, a career. They feel lost, usually the case. They feel lost and they want to maximize their potential. They feel like they're wasting their life. So there's some sort of block. Then I go in and we walk together. I'm not their authority or their guru, but I point out where the blocks are and I can resolve those. Someone might also come to me if they've got an illness or um, an injury and I help them clear that. So that's where I work on their computer, uh -huh. almost like team viewer. Yeah? Yeah. The other thing is I have a meditation school. And when mm -hmm. I say meditation, it's called meditation OS, which stands for operating system. Yep. So I teach people how to work with their own operating system and resolve any emotion on the spot. Like if you're anxious, you find out the, the one and zero coding problem and you, you switch it back on and it's gone. You got pain, it's gone. Mm -hmm. And the, I also have, that's kind of, if you imagine lightning, like to be able to go in and find these things that are going wrong. But if you want to go and look at the really deep stuff that's creating these things, like I told you about the disappointment, the conditioning of the self, that's mm -hmm. in the layer, that's blockchain, Bitcoin. It's heavy, slow, and very secure. Mm. And that is humanity. Mm. So your conditioning, my conditioning is going to, we have the same condition. You have everything inside of you. So to change that takes proof of work. Mm -hmm. To work on the problems, again, another analogy. If you're in the garden, your flowers or your leaves are turning dark. Something, something's going wrong. There's weeds and stuff. So you can go in layer one and clear that. But if you want to look into the soil, there's usually something there. Mm. And so the soil work is observation of self. That's meditation. And everyone can do it. There's no guru. So I teach on my course how they do it themselves. And Brilliant. I'm not, I'm not their guru. There's no authority. Everyone is their own self-authority. Not, you know. That brings to mind a couple of, of things. So... I heard someone describe, if you look at the tree outside, you look at all the leaves on that tree, they're all the problems you see in the world today. And if you look at the yeah. roots of that tree, you have a money printer. Yeah. I thought it was a really nice description. I, and I would say, I mean, using your analogy, that's the, the roots of the money printer. Mm. And then the soil is the mind. Okay. Interesting. So the, the, the mind, our, our need for control to shape others. That is the, the modern monetary system was created by people who wanted or, or thought 
their big brains can control. And mm-hmm. uh, let's jump to the WEF or you know wh- where they're going with um, central bank digital currencies. They're like, no, the world is ending. We need to control people's behavior to get a certain outcome. Whenever you use the centralized mind, mm-hmm. the central. Whenever anything is centralized, you create the opposite. And, and so the soil is where all the mind is the problem, is control. So that's why a lot of the, you know, intelligent people like Vitalik and everyone who's into fiat system, it's getting to a much deeper thing is they think that you need to, they're completely controlled by their centralized tyrannical mind. They think they can shape things. Bitcoiners are starting to realize that, in fact, you don't shape anything. Just create something and it will shape everything and in a free market, same with bringing up children, you don't need to send them to school and to mm. tell, teach them how to learn. You allow them to flourish by giving them energy, love energy, food wow. energy, play energy. Bitcoin, it just needs energy and it will change the world. Um, Vitalik is completely caught in his mind. You can see that because he doesn't almost know he has a body, mm. right? Like the brain is is just this big thing, and then he's got no body. I worked with this physicist once, like absolute genius. That's an extraordinary was, observation. It's so true. He kind of looks like this kind of strange. Oh yeah. Anyway, don't go into aliens or lizard men, but he 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 doesn't. He's awkward with his body. There's no yeah. balance. It's yeah. all intellect. Yeah. So Bitcoin changes that in people, and it it burns egos. It will attract egos and narcissists sort of circling it. Yeah, but they get burnt. It's like a sun. Uh, Craig Wright, whoa, wouldn't he love to be yeah. that, all that energy? No, he can't yeah. handle it. He's burnt. Yeah. The physicist story was interesting that I asked him to send a video of me. This was years and years ago. Uh, asked him to send a video of himself, and he'd never done that. And so there's this guy walking on the video towards the camera. And he wrote, shit, I didn't even know I had a body. And it's like a Vitalik type guy, like big head, big brain. Mm -hmm. And the body was like just super awkward. And so when you're too logical and you're not balanced, that that's not balanced with experience and wisdom. You, you, you come up with, you're caught in the centralized mind and coming back to this yin yang. The church, I'm not saying anything good or bad about religion, but let's look at the Catholic church, was created to be a force for good. Guess what? Some would say it's a force of evil Mm. because of everything that it's done. Whenever you create an institution for something, you energize the opposite in the duality of the mind. The mind always has duality to it. Mm. You can't have hot without knowing what cold is. So the decentralized mind is seeing those behaviors. And when you've done the proof of work, then you are completely present, peaceful, uh, enjoying, enjoying life. The body's harmonized and energized. The mind disrupts that. And, and so what, another, I mean, so interesting. Another thought I had earlier I just wanted to draw back to was this, this journey of holistic health that i've been on with my wife lately and learning yeah. about the fact that the symptom is is your body saying to you something's wrong you yeah. know and actually you should love the symptom because it's a it's a warning signal that things aren't quite right 
And how do you resolve that? And often it's just a case of teaching the body to do something about it. And yeah. that, that's why osteopathy recently was so interesting learning about that and what you've described today. To. Well, you, you, you're guiding the body in a direction that it needs to go in or? I, I would say you, you, find, you, you find what is weakening the body. So you remove something. Okay. And so because the body's perfect. So like you said, when there's uh, something coming up, it, it's showing you that the unconscious, it, as Jung would say, is showing up in the body. And then you, all you need to do is shine light into the darkness. So there's something that's switched off and it's usually coming from something non-physical and there's something untruthful, something not truthful. So the code is glitchy. The code is perfect. So when you, let's say with a naturopath or something, you, you can buy well, it. Can I give you an example, Rob? Sure. So for, for almost a year now on my right hand here, yeah. I've had what looks like a kind of psoriasis and yeah. The skin has flared up. It's very itchy sometimes of the day. And it's now on my right, my left wrist. And I have it in other parts of my body as well. Yeah. So when you have a, a skin flare up, yeah. what might you recognize from that? Yeah. So you used the word flare, flare yeah. up. Yeah. When you flare up, what does that mean to you? Flare up feels like I'd be getting angry about something. Yeah. You don't like getting angry. I don't like getting angry, right? No, no. Yeah. So it, you probably get irritated with yourself. You, you come okay. across as someone who likes to do things really well. Okay. Yeah, like all of us. So if I look at, say, it looks irritating. Yeah, it is, yeah. So I'm just using the, the what you're the words telling me. I'm, I'm coming flare. up. Yeah. Yeah, flare. So you'll get, all I have to do is listen. You'll tell me. If you wow. listen really carefully, flare, if I think about you flaring up or losing control mm -hmm. or being helpless. So when you lose control, it's helpless. And men, women too, but men especially, they become angry when they're helpless. So this rash is spreading. Mm -hmm. There's nothing you can do about it. And it's itchy. You can't control it. Mm -hmm. I'm just giving you mm -hmm. the... No, it annoys me. I'm like, how can't I get yeah. rid of this fucking thing? And now it's over here yeah. and... What the yeah, fuck? So it's itchy and I wake really, up in the middle of the night and I'm like, ah. Yeah, annoying. Yes, very yeah, annoying. So, yeah, so you probably wouldn't like people to think you're annoying. I'd prefer not to have that be the yeah, case, yes. And so you probably find people annoying. Like uh, especially, some people very annoying, yes. Yeah, and you might have people in your family or close who are annoying. And so... There's, okay. there's something about annoyance. I, I said irritation, very similar type of. If you get annoyed with someone, you'll probably get annoyed with yourself. Being with myself. Annoyed. Yes. Yeah. Okay. So if you start to observe your annoyance uh -huh. when you get annoyed yep. and look, what, like, look at it without labeling it. In fact, don't call it annoyance because that just reinforces the mind and the behavior. Just observe this, whatever it is. Yeah. 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 And then, and then observe why, why is this annoying? Mm -hmm. Like, and you go deeper into that's meditation. Wow. So the skin cool. is just, um, you're, you're also pushing it further from your mind. So it's in your fingers. Mm. You're pushing it down into your Yeah. My calves or my legs. Yeah. 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 
Wow. Oh my gosh, it's so interesting. And, and, you know, here we are on a Bitcoin podcast talking about the relationship between your mind and your skin. And you just think it's it's unbelievably profound, the innovation that is Bitcoin. Like we just have no idea how big a deal this actually is. And, you know, I came to this for you know, lots of different reasons. People listening to the show will have heard my story. But to, to hear what you've explained today, it just opens up a whole nother angle to what this is all about. Um, we'll, we'll have to save more questions for another hour in the future, Rob. This has been amazing. I'd love to just get into where you're based, Madeira. So I'm, I'm mm. chatting with um, Andre Loja. Is that how I say his name? Andre Loja. Yeah, Andre, in a couple of weeks' time to really learn about what's going on in Madeira because it intrigues me as a Brit over in Australia trying to work out where the hell to base my young family. You know, how come How come you're in Madeira? Are there other Bitcoiners there? What's life like? Just teach us a bit about what brought you to the place and where it is. Okay, so you remember I said I go early to places. Mm-hmm. Like I get a feeling and then it's and I start I'm waiting for the thing. It was that. I thought it was Mauritius. Maybe I got the spelling right wrong. It was M-A, <laughs> but it locked down super hard. And I was going to move to Mauritius. Oh, wow. We can, I'm like, I want to go somewhere beautiful um, and bring up my children, which yep. is safe. safe. And so when I had a realization, I was on the beach in Barcelona, and I had this thought, um, oh, it's too hard a lockdown. I don't want that authority type mm-hmm. place. And someone walked past me and I heard the word Madeira and that was floating. And then later in the day, someone said, oh, we just come back from Madeira. And that was enough for me to go, where's Madeira? I knew nothing about it. This was um, over a year ago. And so I started researching Madeira and the light environment, you know, the beauty, the safety and the people. Interesting. Um, There's such interesting things to those metrics are not what most people would look at straight away as a place to move to. Okay. Interesting. So for me, yeah, maybe. I've been looking for a place for years. I went online in 2008 with, with uh, my business. So I've been moving and I've lived to many different places. So with with Madeira, I connected with Andre and I said, I'm coming. Wow. I just, okay. Yeah, flew to Madeira and we started talking and we started talking about Madeira and I was like, oh my God, this... We're going to make this place, like get as many Bitcoiners. And he started saying, yeah, I'm going to try and get him to the present. So it was before he, he said, there's another Bitcoiner here, uh, which is Nico from Consensus, Consensus Net- Network. And so I met him. And so though we, I think Obi was, yeah. had been over for a couple of months. And so I just said, I think this is it. I brought my family over for a couple of few months. And I wanted to see how my wife and children, that's the most important thing. They're my, the highest value asset. It's not an asset, yeah. but yeah, yeah, extremely right. and so they loved it. And so if I go into Madeira, for me, the, the light environment, it, as in 22 latitude, the amount of UV, the amount of sun you get is critical for human health, especially if you're white. Mm-hmm. You, I, I, I won't go into it because, uh, you know, I have clients in the north, north, and they struggle because they have dark skin and they don't, um, you know, create enough vitamin D and stuff. But for me, for any human, it's critical is the soil, the, the magnetic um, soil and land, the light and water, lots of water. So water is also, I wanted to go somewhere where they have abundant water as, you know, Citadel. 
that I have abundant water. Beauty is critical for me. I have to be in nature. Nature improves immune system because the, the green absorbs and reflects infrared light. Infrared light goes deep into the body and works with mitochondrial system. So I'm not going to go anywhere where there's not enough light. That was critical for my children flourishing. There's really good food here. The people are lovely towards children, more like Asia level. Like they absolutely love my children. And it's, it's extremely safe. There's, I mean, there will be crime. It's probably going to be like marital abuse type crime because it's an island. The men will, you know, men feel helpless. They get angry. They are violent when. So I think there's that and same in lots of other countries, but it's very safe for children. It's beautiful, very good air, the, the sea, air, yacht, the iodine. And then in terms of Bitcoin, we, we, Andre's a doer. It's a, it's, it has everything that I think a Bitcoiner would want. It's got mountains, it's got world-class trekking. It's got seven different types of dolphin. It's got whales. It's got amazing seafood. It's got that kind of fuck you type energy. It's like an island. It's, mm. you know, you have to get here. It's, a, it's away from the land. You couldn't get here by boat, you know, like a dinghy. It's an hour and a half by plane. Mm-hmm. But I'm not sure where I got to on that. But no, I but it's, love- it's, it's interesting. I mean, the, the, it sounds wonderful. I'd, I'd love to do a trip at some stage. And there's... There's so much, as I said already, that we don't know about what Bitcoin means, but certainly something that's pretty obvious to think through is the idea of having your net wealth in a digital asset that you can carry in your head is very, very different to, you know, traditionally having to have a factory or a farm or a restaurant or you name it in terms of physical assets to to store wealth in that that ties people to geographic locations and an environment in which governments have shown they are not only like capable but very willing to just shut you down it's like okay well how do we fight back from that and you know where can i go and i'm sitting in melbourne in australia absolutely in fucking sane what most people just allowed to happen in this yeah and that must annoy you oh that fucking drove me mad yeah yeah but i was i was also i was also very scared i was sitting in a house i had a young baby didn't know wow. where my water was coming from. I didn't know where my food I can get it from. And I wasn't allowed to leave the house. And every time you did leave the house, because I was like, I refuse to wear a mask, you'd walk through the park, walking the dog, and people would look at you like you were an absolute yeah. fucking criminal yeah. for not wearing a mask. Completely domesticated humankind. Yeah. And so the central mind can be... It manipulates and can be manipulated. Yeah. So I totally connect with you on, wow. on that. I was, I, I mean, I can believe it because it's, it's truthful. Like when people say sheep, yeah, it's, they subjugate all of their health, their money, their education, School. they subjugate everything yeah. to authority. Yeah. And so when I saw what happened to Australia, I have loads of Australian friends, a lot of, from Kenya, a lot of, uh, when I was a kid, a lot of the Kenyans went to Australia, Melbourne. Okay. And I couldn't believe what Australia did. Yeah. But there's deep conditioning in us that when we're fearful, it triggers the conditioning. Mm. And mm. we will do anything. 
And I mean, you know, when they were doing those concentration camps, yeah. concentrating people into the camps, they say, mm. or the camps, yeah? <gasps> you can't say that. that. You can't call them yeah. that. Yeah, the camp. I think they What is were, it? It's a, a camp. travel camp for people. A that, travel, yeah, where you, know, you were forced I mean, to stay. And you could hear the rhetoric. I mean, I'm just stating facts here. The rhetoric was um, they started to use language to describe unvaccinated people in a non-human term. It's, mm-hmm. it's conditioning. So those, um, I saw it on Twitter, like those, not rats, but they started to use animal yep. or they're not human. They yeah. don't deserve the rights. Yeah. Now, you know where that goes. Yeah. It's human conditioning. It's just inevitable. You change the populace. The populace who, has, who follow, they will do whatever you point to them to make them feel comforted and safe. Yeah. They're dangerous. Kill them, and you will be safe. Yeah. That's just... It uh, was an extraordinary it, time. It could happen again. It it probably will. It, it probably you know, will. It, it, it's oh, this is a whole other hour we could go down this hole. It's I'd love, to, I'd love to hear to your the, perspective on it. We're to addicted to comfort. Okay. Comfort and safety. We are addicted to it. Mm-hmm. So if I start to tell someone, well, start observing your mind, and because it's not you, and everything that you think about yourself is not real, that's not comforting. Bitcoin's not comforting. It is when you fully understand the truth of it, but the majority don't, they, that's dangerous. It's dangerous. And so they move away from it. Yeah. So everything ties Bitcoin. It's just the mind. So again, I go back to the soil. That's where we need the revolution. Mm. And it's that brilliant phrase of, you know, fix the money, fix the world does touch on so much of that, doesn't it? It's, it's something that, you don't, you don't even really think like you just use money. I've never studied it like I have now mm-hmm. the last two years. And once you start asking, I mean, Robert Breedlove, what a brilliant fucking guy he is. Yeah. What is money? Shout out to him. He came on the pod. Have a listen to it if, if you have oh, anyone yeah. listening out there. Amazing. Like, amazing guy. He's done some incredible work to understand what this thing is that helped me understand it. And what is money is an infinitely interesting question with lots and lots of different answers as he quite rightly points out and it's he goes and he goes into like what is value there's so many facets and then energy i mean the more you look at it what what i would say around fix the money fix the world 100 mm-hmm. but i almost see it like bitcoin is the orange pill mm-hmm. that will make us question our minds and our well we're questioning the paradigm the wizard of oz we're pulling back the curtain. Yeah. But that's the step to the red pill. And the red pill is where we realize that we are not our minds. And if we want to change reality, we have to change ourselves. And so that out there is, and listen here, there's no separation. The observer is the observed. Wow. So all these people shouting, we need to, they're greedy, they're this, they're that, they're that. They need to observe that within their own blockchain to change if we try and change by our external actions using centralized mind we will continue to perpetuate all of the horrors of humanity and humans are horrific we have done some horrible things i i've been meaning to mention 
There's a book I just finished called The Tao of Capital, and it's by yes. hedge fund mas- manager Mark Spitznagel. Have you read that? Yeah, I've got that somewhere. Okay, yeah. yeah. Shout out to my friend Nathan, Nathan Smith, who recommended I read that, gave it to me for my birthday. And it just it chimes really nicely with some of the um, the Chinese medicine principles that you've mentioned with, with regard to then Austrian economics and, and how that applies to investing. Mm-hmm. Rob, look, over an hour has now flown by. I try and keep these to an hour. We could go for a couple of hours, I think, no problem. Mm-hmm, yeah. What an awesome story. Thank you so much for sharing it with me today. How can people get in touch? What's the best way to reach out to you if they're interested? Um, I think uh, Twitter is pretty good. I like that's where I spend some of my time. They can DM me. My DMs are open. Cool. If not, you can contact me at support at robbrinder.com. And yeah, I love working with people looking at their patterns. So if anyone wants uh, like a tune-up or me to look at the situation where they felt a bit held back, that's what I love doing. So Awesome. Well, Rob, thank you so much for your time today. Appreciate you joining. Pleasure. Okay, friends, nice work. You made it all the way to the end of the episode. Thank you so much for taking the time to listen to this conversation. As I said at the start, if you have any questions, then please don't hesitate to reach out. And if you enjoyed the episode, then please rate, like, subscribe, and share. That's it for now. Enjoy the rest of your day. All the best, Jake.